0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, my name is Raphael, and this morning we'll continue with a series uh, that we're looking at, uh, Meeting the Family. And basically, we're looking at the genealogy of Jesus, looking at the characters that have sort of, uh, you can trace to his, uh, to his parents. Some of them are very noble, some of them are not very noble, but we can see the grace of God at work. And this morning, we'll be looking at a particular character, um, the life of Hezekiah. And uh, he was one of the great kings of Judah. And basically, we get to see the grace of God at work in his life, in his strengths, in his weaknesses. But before we do that, I thought it would be very good just to read some passages so you have an overall view of what we're going to be covering. I just want you to really listen, because just reading the Scriptures, actually God can speak to you powerfully. So we want to bring up some passages to appear behind me. We'll start from chapter 29 of 2 Chronicles. Uh, we're going to jump a bit because it's quite a long passage covering his life. So we we'll read 29 from verses 1 to 6. Hezekiah was 25 years of age when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side, and said, Listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves. Now I consecrate the temple of the Lord, the Lord of your, of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's place dwelling place and turned their backs on him. Now go to verse 10 to 11. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord. The God of Israel, so that the fierce anger will be turned away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him, and serve Him, to minister before Him, and burn incense. Then we we'll get to jump to chapter thirty-two, verse one to two. Initially, after that, Hezekiah has so faithfully done. Zeneshareb, Zanish- the king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and intended to make war against Jerusalem, he took counsel with the elders. I will jump to verse 68. He appointed military officers over the people, and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate, and encouraged them with these words, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. The people gained confidence for what Hezekiah said. Then we jump to verse 20 to 26. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Ephesus, cried out in prayer to the Lord, to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Syrians, so that he withdrew, his own, he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went to the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Zenosherab, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts to Hezekiah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. Then we continue to verse 24. And in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord. He answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud. He did not respond to the kindness shown shown to him. Therefore, the lost wrath was on him and all Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the lost wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. But when the envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. Let's pray together. Father, we do want to thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, our help. Even as we look to your word now, we pray that you speak to us, you help us by your spirit and that your word will be alive to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are basically going to be covering four points. Uh, The first one, we're looking at God's calling and grace in his life. And there we can, we'll be looking at walking according to God's order. And there we can see how he handled overwhelming circumstances. very similar to the song we have been singing and then finally, we get to be looking at the last point when he had the wrong focus. He found that Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he did that which was right in the sight of God. If you were just to look back at what was actually going on in Judah, his father Ahaz has actually led Judah to a time of spiritual decline. Judah was... In a terrible state spiritually. He has gathered, his father has gathered all the articles of the house of the Lord. He cut them to pieces and he shut the doors of the temple of the Lord. And he made altars everywhere in Damascus. You say that he, it was a state of spiritual decline. And the fear of God was not in the land. But God needed a man. God's desire is that Judah will come back to him. People of God will turn back to him. So God has a purpose. God has a desire. And that desire was to restore back Judah to worship, to to fellowship, to the right place in the things of God. And the person that God found was Hezekiah. It is just like a natural process. He was a son and therefore his father has died and therefore he takes over the throne. But in that whole process, the hand of God was in it. God was raising up a man that would fulfill his purpose. The second thing to note was that Hezekiah didn't have to work to become king. It was just a natural process. He didn't perform to earn kingship. And if you look at it, it illustrates the grace of God. God has called us by grace. We don't have to earn it. But at the same time, God has called us for a purpose. Hezekiah was called to fulfill a purpose, to restore Judah to worship with God, and his calling was by grace. And in the same way, Jesus says, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. God has called us. And actually, 2 Timothy 1:19 actually throws more elaboration. It says, God has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God called you by grace and for a purpose in Christ Jesus before the world began, not according to your work. And the way to look at it is that it was very important that Hezekiah fulfilled that purpose. The whole spiritual life or state of you that depended on him and, and thank God he was faithful. The Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of God. And he, as we read, he restored worship to the temple. They celebrated the Passover. He was God's man, fulfilling God's purpose. In the same way, God has called you as well. You have a purpose. As we have read... The purpose of God for you was actually given to you before the foundation of the world. It's not based on your performance. And so your performing your purpose is actually has a significant effect on the life of many other people, just like Hezekiah. If he has not performed, Judah will remain just as it way it was. Your performance, you standing up to the calling of God in your life, has an impact on the life of many people. So don't allow the circumstances, the situations you may be passing through now, not to step up to what God has called you for. Don't feel unqualified because God called you by grace and for a purpose. Many people are depending on you. Many people will come through to salvation because of you taking up your place, maybe in prayer, maybe making good coffee. I know people have come to shop because there's good coffee. That is true. God has a purpose for you. And that purpose, you are to step up and fulfill that purpose. But there were two things that helped him to fulfill that purpose. He was well-prepared. The fact was that he knew the law. He knew the role of the Levites. He knew exactly what God wanted by the law. He knew that. The Bible said the very first month of his first reign, he opened the temple, he called in the Levites. He was well equipped and he did it. In the same way, if you feel there's, there's a call of God in your life, be prepared. You know, maybe the leadership course that, that was going on. Take a leadership course, do some training, be prepared for what God has called you for. But many a times we always think that being prepared only refers to spiritual things. Many of us, we work in several places. Be a person of an excellent spirit, wherever you are. The Bible talks of Daniel, of being of an excellent spirit. Be a person that is diligent, a person that when you go for meetings, you are prepared. A person whose desk is in good order that if you ask you for a document, it's not going to take you years to find it. Be a person that is actually prepared. That is the way he was able to fulfill his purpose. He was prepared and he did it. There was no waste of time. The first month, the first year, he just called in the Levites, cleaned the temple, consecrated to God, and and he brought in worship. So be prepared. Whatever God is calling you for, maybe you're thinking that God has come to do this and you are not sure what is rainbow, but whatever your heart can find now, do it. That is a step forward towards what God has called you for. The second part, we can now move on to walking in God's order. And uh, the Bible said that he brought in the Levites, he, he encouraged and said, do not neglect now this, my son's, For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to save him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. This may appear very trivial to you, but God in in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers 18, has actually chosen Aaron and his sons and the Levites as the people to minister in the temple, to burn incense. And when that order is violated, it actually has big consequences. The two, there was a time in the New Old Testament, the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, they just burned the wrong essence in the, in, in the presence of God and God actually punished them for that. You can see another example uh, we saw when he was being evaded by the Philistines and was waiting for somewhere, and he mistakenly, as a king, he went to the temple and made an offering. And when Samuel came, he said, this is what Samuel said to him in 2 Samuel 13, 13, you have done a foolish thing. Samuel said, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel at all times, for now your kingdom will not endure. So God has an order. We all know the story of Uzzah touching the, the, uh, uh, touching the I can't remember what was it, the the uh, the, um, the tabernacle, and how he died because he touched the tabernacle. So God has an order. In the same way, in the New Testament, the Bible says that God, in, in Ephesians 30, says God's intention, his intention that now, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God's desire, God's order is that the church of God should be the vessel, the means by which for him to display his glory to the world. So what does that mean to us? It means God is not looking for individual champions. God wants us to be part of a church. Plug into the church, plug into your small group. That is where you can flourish. That is where your gifts can grow. That's where you can be corrected. That's where you can mature in your giftings. And when the elders, when people see the grace of God in you, God, they will support you. When the elders see that the grace of God is in you, they will help you to fulfill your purpose. Um, I didn't know George was going to be here, but I, I had him in my notes as an example. That, you know, the elders recognized he was just part of this church, but they recognized the grace of God in him. And then he has been sent to Berlin. And many people have been released from here, from the church. Just being part of church, they're growing up part of what God has designed to show his glory. People, the elders have recognized the grace of God in their lives, and they have released them to whatever God has uh, called them into. So be part of the church. Plug into a small group. Be part of it, and really be part of it. And know that God has designed the church as the means to show his glory to the world. The the third point that we're going to be looking at, how to handle overwhelming circumstances. And in fact, I think God has actually been speaking to us in the service about that. You know, God said, He's the one that's going to hold us. Uh, And and, and, uh, and Andy came to encourage us, do you have faith in God? So let us see what happens in the case of Zechariah. What happened was that the king of Assyria, he came and... And he was arrayed against Judah. They wanted to take the city of Judah for themselves. I didn't read verse 2 on the screen, but this is what verse 32 says. When Hezekiah saw that Shinnasherib has come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his elders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. The first thing I really wanted to bring out here was his ability to take cancer. He found that he was being evaded. He didn't just act independently. He took cancer. And Proverbs 11.46 says, Where there is good cancer, where there is no good cancer, the people fall. But in the multitude of cancer, there is safety. So when you are faced with circumstances which are overwhelming, don't just hide by yourself, try to handle it by yourself. Seek counsel. Either speak to the other, your small group leaders, or people whom you know are matured in the faith. And they will help you to look into the situation and give you some good counsel to enable you to handle such a situation. The second thing that Hezekiah did was he gathered the people together. He appointed captains. And then he spoke these words Say, Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid because of the king of Syria. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. I think that was very significant because he didn't encourage the people to trust in the military mind they had. He already had the captains, he said them over, he captains over the army, but he pointed them rather to God, not to the military mind that he had actually assembled. And because of his words of faith, the people were rest assured. People were encouraged by the words of faith. I really wanted to say that it is always good to surround yourself with people that will speak faith to your life. People that will encourage you. Excuse me. That becomes very important in a family life. At times, it's the husband that is down, at times, it's the wife that is down. It is good to just put your hands and console them, but go beyond that. Speak words of faith. Don't let despondency the come in. At times, you know, the pressure is on one part of the, one partner, but the other partner should come and say, no, let us believe God together. Let's stand together. And the same way, when you have kids, uh, occasionally, they will, like our kids, they will come back from school and say, this didn't go well, this essay didn't go well. Okay, we say, okay, we consult them, but say, let's pray, let's believe God. God will be able to help you here. You see, you always want to speak the words of faith to people, just to encourage them, to point them to the Lord. And I can remember one of the small groups uh, here in Kings, uh, I don't want to mention, where in the small group and... One of her sisters, the lady, was actually facing a very difficult situation at work. And so the discussion was going on, what are the alternatives, A, B, C, C, D. Then somebody just said, no, really, we don't really have all these options. We have only one option, to trust God. That changed the whole atmosphere of the small group. So we prayed. And do you know what? All the A, B, C were counting, none of the happened <laughs> We prayed and God turned it around. Because somebody stood up and said, please let's trust God. And so just like Andy came and said, do you believe God? I really want to encourage us today. No matter the circumstances we may be confronting, let us trust God. And the last thing which he did was, um, uh, looking at verse 20 to 27, He said, then because of of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, they prayed and cried to heaven. Is joining your faith with those of others. If there are overwhelming circumstances, find somebody to pray with. Here was the king calling the prophet Isaiah, stand with me, let us cry to the Lord, and the Lord responded. And the consequence was that God sent an angel to kill all the commanders of the king of Assyria. And he went home, and that was how he died. And I think the the, the make, if you you know he looks a bit, you look at it and you say, hey, that was just what he should have done. But if you look back to the kings of, of Judah, his father, what normally happens when they are invaded, they all tend to cut all they take all the treasures in the house of God and just give them away. But Hezekiah did the opposite, he believed God. And we get to go to the last point, uh, which I call the wrong focus. And he said, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud. He didn't respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. And when, to verse 32, when the envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about that sign that have occurred in the land, God left him to test him to know everything that was in his heart. So just to give you a little bit more detail, was that when he was sick, Hezekiah was sick, God sent Isaiah to him that, prepare your house, it is time for you to die. But Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, he prayed, and God, before Isaiah, Isaiah could leave, with the court, God said, go back and tell him that he will be healed. I've given him 15 more years. And then the prophet asked him, and then the king asked the prophet, how do I know? And then Isaiah said, okay, you ask for a sign. You want the, the sun to go 10 degrees forward or the t- sun to go 10 degrees backwards? And the king said, well, normally the sun would go 10 degrees forward. So why don't you uh, pray that God would take the sun 10 degrees backward? That's what he did. And God actually, because of him, changed the solar system that day in order to prove to Zechariah, Hezekiah his faithfulness. And then somewhere along the line, pride came, came in. So the kings, they heard this sign was actually very well known abroad because the king, the, the king of Babylon sent envoys to say, wow, well, tell us about this miraculous sign. Instead of him, very contrary to what he has done, he didn't seek any counsel. He never consulted anybody. All he did was just to show them his kingdom. The Bible said, he showed them all his silver, all his treasures in his kingdom, not only in his God, the whole kingdom, he showed them everything. It was it was as if though it is all me. Come and see the amount of white I have. There was no even taking that opportunity to say God did this. Because for, for the sun to move 10 degrees back, east, actually, there is no way it could happen apart from God. And his heart was full of pride. And there was this, this second part we read that God actually left him to see what was in heart. When I read that, I was thinking about it. What does it mean for God to actually have left him? It wasn't that God left him. The situation was that it means that God didn't send any proud warning. God didn't give him any, send the prophet Isaiah to say, this is how to handle the situation. He has worked with God for many years. He has the word of God and experience in his life for him now to actually make a decision that will honor God. And that is what um, uh, the, the Bible says in, in, in Second Timothy verse uh, three it says "The word of God is, the, the word is God-breath, and it is good for instruction, for doctrine, that the man of God will be perfect." It's a God's idea that the Word of God, you have, God, God's Word will instruct you to a place that you can make right decisions because the Word of God is, is with you, because you know the Word of God. You're not waiting for God to always speak a word to you. He has already spoken. God's Word is already there to equip you, to make you a mature person that when you are faced with a situation, or you can make a decision on the basis of the Word of God that is right. So what happened was that he it was a show of time. God was not in the picture. And then God sent the prophet Isaiah to him and said, what have you done? Who has come to visit you? And what have you showed to them? He said, oh, the, the people have come from Babylon and have showed them the whole kingdom. And then God make this pronouncement. He said, hear the word of the Lord. The time will come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored unto this day will be carried off to babylon and some of your descendants your own flesh and blood that were born to you they will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of babylon and this was the response of hezekiah the word of the lord has spoken is good for he thought that for he thought would there not be peace and security in my life? Basically, he was not really concerned any longer. He just wanted, he was happy that it was going to happen in his lifetime. So pride actually came in. And, and pride is just one of those things that God doesn't just like. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he hinders the proud. The, 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 the and there are many examples in the Bible of what pride can do. We are all aware of the, the, the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. The consequence was that he was taken away from men to, become, to spend some time with the animal before God restored him. In the book of Acts, we see King Herod. He was arrayed in the royal uh, apparel. He was making the speech. And the people said, The voice of God and the voice of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him uh, because he did not give the glory to God. And he was eaten up by worms and died. Paul was also tempted. And he says, because of the abundance of revelation, God gave him a turn so that he doesn't become too proud. God gave him a turn in the flesh. So I think the, the, the most important thing here is that all that we are, it is the grace of God. Of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. All that we are, all that we ever get to be, it's the grace of God, and all the glory should go to God. But I also feel that at times, what actually hinders most of us is not we are proud because of our bondage or revelations or what God has done for us. It's a sense of, it's also the wrong focus. When we take our eyes from God, we also focus on ourselves. We can feel inadequate, false humility. Is a God calling you, and you feel, oh, I can't do that. God called Moses, what was the excuse? I'm a Tamara because he was focusing on himself. God called Jeremiah, what was the excuse? I'm too young. Again, he was just the wrong focus. God called Gideon. Gideon said, I'm from the least tribe, uh, from the least family in the least tribe. Whether once we remove our focus from, from God, from his grace, we are either going to be proud or we are going to have a sense of false humility. Both of them lead to the same consequences. We are unable to fulfill the purpose of God. So what is the right response? The right response is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, and that's where we get going to end up, saying that know that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. Don't think anything as of yourself. Our sufficiency is of God.